0: may be seated. Well, happy post-Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a good uh, time with friends and family. We're taking a break today in our sermon series going through Matthew. We've been going through for a couple months now, and we're going to pause to simply give thanks, to give thanks to God. And as I was contemplating what I wanted to give thanks for, what I wanted to preach on today, I was eating a Publix Sub, Any public sub fans here? All right, yeah, delicious, okay? And I'm devouring this public sub. I'm eating every last little crumb I can find of this public sub. It's delicious. It's mouth-watering. I'm enjoying it. And I thought, let's talk turkey. Literally, let's talk about eating turkey to the glory of God. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a theology of food for hungry hearts. The theology of food for hungry hearts. Here are my three main points for the note takers. First of all, we should thank the Lord for taste buds. Thank the Lord for taste buds. Secondly, spiritual hunger is a gift from God. And thirdly, we should give our compliments to the chef. We should give our compliments to the chef. Our springboard passage today is Psalm Thirty-four. This is verses 8 through 10. If you want to follow along, the the words should be up on the screen as well here. Uh, 34, 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If you uh, went around your tables on Thanksgiving and you said, what is everyone thankful for this year? I, I bet some of the responses were mixed. Uh, some of them probably couldn't be said in polite society. 2020 has been uh, an overall pretty lousy year for hardships, for, for illness, for, for tremendous loss, fear, anxiety, you name it. 2020 has, has, has surprised us in every way possible. What on earth is there to be thankful for in 2020? You see, the Scottish minister, there's this guy named Alexander White, who's a Scottish pastor, and he was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. And he always found something to which to be grateful for. He was always grateful. Well, one Sunday, the weather was so gloomy, sort of like today, it was so gloomy that one church member thought to himself, certainly the preacher won't think of anything for which to be thankful for today. It's wretched. It's a horrible, horrible day. Well, much to his surprise, Alexander White began praying. He said, we thank Thee, Lord, O God, that is not always like this. (laughs) So here near the end of 2020, I am thankful that it is not always like this. I'm thankful that despite all that goes wrong on this earth, There are a million tiny little beautiful glimpses of grace. A thousand, million, billion little things that go right. And they only go right because our Lord is in control. Christians need to be reminded that even though we're sinful, even though we live in a fallen world, God made everything good. And because God has made so many good things, he's given us these remarkable gifts these these moments of grace, and we should turn to him and give thanks. First Thessalonians five eighteen, Paul says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And you read that, and you go, you know, that's easier said than done, Paul. It's a little easier said than done. When I was when I was growing up, my mo- my mother, and if you had mothers like mine, they probably told you you had to write thank you notes had to write thank you cards. And I thought it was just the dumbest thing. I thought they gave me this gift. Why do I have to give them something back in return? This is, this is horrible. Why would I have to write thank you notes? And not only that, after presents on Christmas morning, I had to give hugs. I had to go thank these people for socks, and for underwear, and for ugly Christmas sweaters. And I had to pretend like it was, oh my word, I love these socks. I'm gonna wear these socks every day for the rest of my life, I love these socks. I had to go give hugs, and I had to to pretend like I liked it no matter what. But you see, as I got older, I learned to appreciate the meaning behind the gift. And I learned to love the giver rather than the gift. And so I didn't need to pretend anymore. I I really was thankful for the socks. I I need socks. I love socks today. I, I love these. I love the giver. And I wanted to thank them. I didn't need to be reminded to write these thank you notes. I was compelled by my love to thank them. I I wanted to thank them. In fact, when I get something that I don't know who it's from, I I get a little upset. I want to thank that person. Who gave this to me? How dare they not let me thank them? We want to thank someone. And I fear that too often as Christians, we sort of act like spiritual brats. I act like a spiritual brat when it comes to God's good gifts. I pretend to be thankful. Lord, oh, thanks for, thanks for this. That is just what I needed. I begrudgingly write these thank you prayers. Lord, oh, thanks for that. You know, that was a good day. Thanks for that. The thought of giving him a hug, for many, seems inconceivable after 2020. What was there to be thankful for, Lord, in 2020? I totally get it. I get it. It's hard to be thankful when everything hurts, when family members have died and you're so depressed during the holiday season you don't even want to get out of bed. I learned today, I woke up this morning and I checked uh, my my little social media and I learned that a friend of mine from high school had passed away, younger than I was, passed away. And so each morning, each day, there's, there's new things to bombard us, new things to drag us down. But what I'm gonna try to argue for today is that the lack of thankfulness in our lives, the lack of finding something to give joy for every morning, is because we need a spoonful of Christ every minute, every hour, every day, every second. We need an IV of Jesus. He's our medicine. And it's when we fail to taste and see that the Lord is good that we start filling up our bellies, we start filling up our minds with all of this junk food hoping to satisfy our God-shaped hunger. It's when we lose sight of Jesus that we turn our eyes to these horrible things that destroy us. They destroy our hearts, they destroy our lives, they destroy our families. And none of these earthly things will ever truly satisfy the longing because our longing is eternity. eternity. Bible says God's hidden eternity in our hearts. And so we're trying to fill up eternity with things of the earth can't be done. This leads us to our first point. Our first point is thank the Lord for taste buds. Did you know that the average human being has two to 8000 taste buds on their tongue? And I didn't know this, but apparently we we get new taste buds like every 14 days or something like crazy like that. They just regenerate. We get new ones. And so many times before a meal, uh, people will sometimes giggle or, you know, chortle, but I'll sit there and I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, thank you for taste buds. Especially if I'm sitting in front of a steak or a big juicy burger and I know I'm about to dig into this thing, uh, a cheese burrito smothered in salsa. Woo! I love Mexican food. And it's all because the Lord in his divine mercy gave me taste buds. He didn't have to do it. He could have just made food, and it would have just been tasted bland and whatever, and fine. He gave me taste buds. I can taste it. With Thanksgiving fresh on your mind, I want you to hearken back, okay? Bring you back to that festal gathering. I want you to think about the turkey, and the ham, and the pies, and the mashed potato, and the gravy, and the stuffing, and the pies, and the deviled eggs, and the casseroles. And did I mention the pies? The pies. Are you salivating yet? Can you salivate to the glory of God? Yes. Yes, you can. All things give glory to God. The Lord who gave us these remarkable computers for brains. It's amazing how I can, I can mention those things. And immediately your mind starts thinking about it. You could probably even think about the taste. If I mentioned your grandmother and I said, think back to your grandmother's greatest hits. All the, all the stuff she cooked. Your mom's greatest Think back to it. You could Your mouth's probably watering. You're thinking, oh, the taste. You have it there. What a remarkable thing our brains are. And once we have it, we we take the food, we have that grandma's dish, whatever it is, and we put it in our mouth and the Lord gave us these little wonderful things called teeth. These teeth, these little hard things that can chew it up and swallow it. And he gave us uh, liquids and solids and, and our throat knows how to differentiate and transform them, move them down. And have you thanked the Lord for your digestive system lately? Thank the Lord for kidneys, and for stomachs, and for small intestines, and larger... What a remarkable thing the human body truly is. We're truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. We should thank God every day for these little things we take for granted. Because it's when those things start failing that we go, I took my blank for granted for so long. I took my kidney or my liver. I took it for granted. What a remarkable thing. Hands hair, muscles, organs, skin, everything about you is a marvel. And the fact that he, God had a blueprint for you with your name on it, he made you, and then he threw the blueprint out. That's even more marvelous. Billions and billions of people, blueprint after blueprint, each one unique, each one marvelous, each one with hairs numbered. Absolutely amazing. And you may be thinking, yeah, But it's wasting away. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm losing my hair. Yeah, but my body is failing. And the Bible says, yet. That is true. Yet inwardly, you're being renewed day by day. Give thanks. Give thanks that that as you are, are growing older, that as things are falling apart on the outside, inwardly, the Holy Spirit is doing renovation work. You're looking good. You're getting sanctified. You're being prepared for the heavenly sights and sounds and tastes that you will live for in eternity. And each day there's new mercies, isn't there? Each day there's new grace, new mercies. Of course, there's new tragedies, all all of that, but there's new joys, new wonderful things. This is why when the Bible says God knit us together in our mother's wombs, it's such a beautiful picture that he calls us his his handiwork his masterpiece he says we are created in christ jesus to do good works and so when we celebrate god is our creator when we celebrate and enjoy his good gifts he delights to see his children marry or to put it as john piper the pastor john piper puts it he says god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him So before we can taste and see that the Lord is good, we have to first know what it means to actually taste and enjoy anything. You can never truly appreciate the Grand Canyon. I can explain it to you. I can tell you, oh, it looks 3D. It's beautiful. It's huge. But until you see it with your own eyes, you'll never appreciate the majesty of the Grand Canyon. The person who has a deep and true understanding of their own personal sin is also the person who deeply understands the endless, fathomless grace of God. That God would save a wretch like me? Mind-blowing. And you see, the person who gives thanks to God for the mercies of this life. Who revels in the good gifts that God has given us. This is the same type of person who knows exactly what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. When I read that, they go, yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. Listen to Psalm 104, 14 through 15. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. These are good gifts. He sustains us. He nurtures us. He feeds us. He clothes us. We're to give him thanks and honor and glory. And the Bible says in all things, whether you eat or drink or dance or sing, or create, or paint, or even sleep. You're supposed to give God glory in the way you do those things. Why? Why should we give God glory? Psalm 34, we go to verse 9. Fear the Lord, you His holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing. They lack nothing. Psalm 84, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. So let's move now from food to drink. We're good. We're good Presbyterians. We can read that verse and we can admit that wine does indeed gladden men's hearts. All right. But soda is good. Coffee is fantastic. And while we're here, I want to thank God for carbonated water. I love carbonated water. I love it. I love flavored water. It's good. It's delicious. Thank you, Lord. And just like food, we can also admit, sadly, That due to the fall in our sinful natures, wine, coffee, sugary sodas, all these things can be abused and they can be misused. This is why gluttony is labeled a real and deadly sin. It's something that all of us should be more conscious of. We want to seek to maintain the temples, the bodies, these wonderful, wonderful things that God's given us. We want to maintain those. I also think the sin of gluttony is lying at the root of many of American churches' problems. And I'm not talking about so much about food. I'm talking about the gluttony of self. I'm talking about the gluttony of things, the love of money, all these things. The question one of Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But gluttony says man's chief in is to glorify himself and to enjoy himself forever. You see, many Christians today are dealing with this, I deal with this. I struggle with a lot of these things. We need to not glorify ourselves, we need to worship the one true God. First Timothy four, four through five says, Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and through prayer. Paul here is talking he's talking about food and sexual relations, both of which are good, but both of which must be sanctified and used for holy purposes. Both have limits. Food's good. It tastes good. It can bring people together in celebration around the table. But certain foods are fattening, and we know the danger of too much sugar, and we know the danger of too much salt. It's, it can be very bad for you. Again, 1 Corinthians ten twenty-three: All things are lawful, but Paul says not all things are helpful. And so, wine tastes good. It can even have medicinal purposes. But the Bible warns consistently that too much wine is not good. It says, "Be sober-minded." Be self-controlled. Don't be given to drunkenness. Don't be given to gluttony. Food and drink honor God when we sanctify them, when we use them for the purposes that God intended. So we can enjoy these things with thanksgiving. We can enjoy them with gratitude. We can honor God through our celebration, and they produce the energy that we require to go out and do God's good works. I can't love my neighbor if I haven't eaten in five days. And so I need that energy. My body works like that. I need water. I need these drinks to to move. This is why the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, could famously say that he intended to smoke a good cigar to the glory of God before he went to bed. You see, this is Christian liberty. It's this freedom that we have through Christ. And it's a most glorious and beautiful thing to be free in Christ. But it's something we must not abuse. It's something we must not take lightly. It's a gift. It's a gift to be appreciated and and thankful for and to honor God for. Which leads us to our second point. Our second point is that spiritual hunger is a true gift from God. If we go back to the Garden of Eden and we're there with Adam and Eve, we know that this whole thing started because of food. It was disobedience because of food. They don't eat that. They ate it. Food is delicious. It's nutritious. It's not our ultimate good. Only God can truly satisfy and ignite that hunger for him within us. You see, when the Holy Spirit enlivens us and quickens us, he gives us spiritual taste buds. Before this happens, we all have this sort of demonic uh, COVID-19 where we have no sense, we, we have no taste, no smell, and, and we, we experience, we can hear the gospel, it does, it does nothing for us. We can sit in these pews, it will do nothing for us, Unless the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual taste buds. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4 4. Paul says that unbelievers are kept by Satan from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So we're born into this world with deadened spiritual senses. We're blind, we're deaf, we lack these taste buds. Satan actively roams around trying to hide the spices. He does not want you to have the spice, he does not want you to be salt and light. He does not want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God, he cannot stop you if the Holy Spirit has you. He cannot stop you from tasting and seeing. You see, God overcomes this, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, shining in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, it's it's the face of Christ, beholding his face, looking at his face it gives us the taste. We have to look to Christ to be saved. It's really remarkable. As you start flipping through the Bible, if you've been a believer for a while, you know how much food language is all over the place. There's food language. All, you could write volumes about this food language. And it's not something foolish to pass over. It's, it's, it's vital. It's vital to understand this, to have a, a joyful, abundant Christian life. Listen to 1 Peter 2 two through 3 he says this like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the lord is good you see the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the tasting of the lord is the beginning of truly seeing christ as excellent as beautiful as marvelous We grow in our salvation by feeding on, by being rooted and established in the vine. We have to be hooked into the vine, the living vine, which is Jesus Christ. And then like newborn babies, we cry and we scream. We say, Lord, more, more, I'm hungry, more, more, more. I ask that God would give us a holy appetite. A ravenous hunger for his eternal things, that he would help us to see his word and his laws as our entertainment. I want to relish in God's good gifts. I want to see them as more precious than gold. Can you imagine if Christians were known for their love, their beauty, their thankfulness, and their raucous celebrations? Those Presbyterians, they know how to throw a party. They are celebrating God's good gifts. What, what, why do they love each other so much? Those potlucks are killer. You see, these amazing things that God has given us, they're, just, they're but shadows. They're shadows of what's actually happening in heaven. Listen to this. This is Luke 15, 9 through 10. This is the a brief glimpse of an earthly celebration. This is from the parable of the lost coin, the woman who finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors to say, Rejoice with me, for I've found my lost coin. Now listen to this in verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. In the same way. When you first became a Christian, heaven threw a birthday party. They celebrated it. Heaven is a party. It's, it's a celebration of lost being found, of dead coming to life. And again, this is why the new birth is so important. You must be born again. You must cling to Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. You must repent of your sins. You must change from your old tastes and your old loves. And if you're sitting here today thinking, I've, I've never tasted and seeing that the Lord is good. I, I couldn't tell you one thing that I think is good about the Christian walk. If you say that, I want to encourage you to examine yourself for God. Examine yourself before Him. Because it could very well be that you've never had a birthday party in heaven thrown for you. Pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon you in power. Pray that you would have spiritual taste buds. That today, today could be the day that heaven celebrates you. That we would celebrate you coming to know Christ as your Savior. You see, all of us over time we we were born again and we move from, from baby food to meat and potatoes. We transition from balloon animals and clowns into Super Bowl parties. Our spiritual journey, like our physical ones, it starts with these immature tastes. We don't want you know that stuff, we don't want vegetables, we just want you know all these little things. We have to have our baby teeth knocked out. We have to grow and mature in our, in our faith. And the way the Holy Spirit does this is he cultivates us and sanctifies us through the means of grace. And the means of grace are partaking of the sacraments, which we're going to do next week. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. The hearing of the word preached. The studying of God's scriptures, prayer, and yes, even fasting. You see, Christ is making us fit for a heavenly feast. We have to have teeth that are ready for heaven's splendors. Final point. We should give our compliments to the chef. You see, the Christian life and walk can be summed up nicely. There's three words. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. And as we've seen, food is good, drink is good, our bodies good, but due to sin, all of it can be bad. It can be abused. It can be misused. Jesus himself is the bread of life and the living water. But our senses are dull. And so we don't see him as such. We don't, we're unable to experience him and come to him for nourishment. Our guilt before God turns his good things, his law, his gospel, his physical gifts, these, these become death to us. Because there's, there's nothing in us that can, can save us. So apart from Christ, we need to move from death to life. We have to move from death to life. We cannot do it on our own. Which moves us from guilt to grace. You hear, here's the second word: guilt, grace. The Father chooses, the Son redeems, the Spirit seals, He quickens us, and we're given grace, the Bible says, upon grace, upon grace, stacks on stacks on stacks of grace. We're given eyes to see, ears to hear, tongues that can taste, and this grace is 100%, the Bible says, from God, not of works so that no one can boast. We're beggars. We are called forth from the gutters of life. We're like, we need the good Samaritan. We need Jesus Christ to come pick us up. Because the world's let up, left us beaten and bruised and naked and lying there, nameless. And Christ comes and he, he picks us up and he carries us to the table. He carries us to the table. And finally, he's with, our, with our bellies full and our hearts bursting now with thankfulness for God's grace, we give our compliments to the chef. We live lives of thankfulness, lives of gratitude, and it's through this delighting in God that God is glorified in us as children. The law of God is no longer death to us. And when I read the Ten Commandments, I I think I want to glorify, I want to obey. I want to obey God, not because I'm worried I'm going to lose my salvation or gain my salvation, but because Christ has freed me from the power of the law to condemn me. We can now love our neighbors. When the Bible says love your neighbors, I can really love my neighbors. I can love them because why? Because Christ loved me. Because he forgave me. And so I can forgive their dog that yaps in the middle of the night. And is there any better giver than God? Can you outgive God? Who so loved the world that he gave his only son? He's the greatest giver. We are to model the gift giver himself. So what does this look like practically in our lives? Here's a few quick things. Uh, one, it looks like fasting, which sounds counterintuitive to our message, but it's not. Listen to this. This is Matthew 6, 17. Jesus says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know. Notice here it says when you fast, not if you fast. Meaning... We should all have regular times of refraining from something. What we're doing here is we're, we're saying, God, that's not my master. Food's not my master. Money's not my master. Sex is not my master. Strong drink is not my master. Lord, you alone are my master, and I only need you. I only need you. We can give thanks to God that way. Secondly, it looks like inviting others to the feast. This is Matthew nine, thirty-seven through thirty eight. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. You see, the goal of the kingdom is more people, more guests, more disciples, more worshippers, no empty seats, no empty seats. Everyone come on in. Everyone hear the message, the good news that Jesus Christ saves sinners. We want everyone, everyone, and I mean everyone, to come to know Christ. Isaiah 55.1 Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. This is good news. This is good news to a hungry, thankless, run-down, drag-out world. They're searching for something, and we haven't. It. It's good news. And finally, it looks like simply giving thanks. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians three seventeen. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Psalm 107, 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 156, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And I could go on, and I could go on, and I could go on. These are, these are commands. These verses are commands from God. And you hear these, and and some people may say, I don't have anything to be thankful for. I wish I could find something. This is a horrible season. The holidays are horrible for me. I'm horribly depressed. I lost one of my parents. I just got diagnosed with cancer. I I have nothing to be thankful for. And it doesn't help that every day we're surrounded with Negative news and negative voices and negative outlooks for the future. Everything is negative. See, we have to replace, we have to replace these negative things. We have to replace them with spiritual, eternal, holy, beautiful things. We have to replace them with the beautiful truths that God has given us. This is why, again, we have to turn our gaze outward. We have to stop navel gazing. And when we look outwards, when we look at the face of Christ, the light of Christ will shine into our dark hearts and we will see him as beautiful. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think think on those things. Focus on those things. Think about all the million things that go right on the earth. There's always, always something to be thankful for as a believer in Jesus Christ. But you have to keep your focus. You have to keep yourself reminded daily of the gospel. Constantly you need to dip your fingers in the honey jar of God's word and just feast. If you want to taste and see, you need to... to storm the storehouse. you got to go to the pantry. And you got to get some food. I'm going to end with a final illustration. This will bring us full circle with where we started. Okay? There were two men, and they were walking through a field one day when they spotted an enraged bull. It seems it seems crazy, but this is what happened. They spotted an enraged bull. Instantly, they darted toward the nearest fence. The storming bull followed them in hot pursuit, and it was soon apparent they would not make it. Terrified, the one shied to the other. Put up a prayer, John. We're in for it. John answered, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my life. But you must, implored his companion. The bull is catching up to us. All right. John panted. I'll say the only prayer I know, the one my father used to repeat at table. Oh, Lord, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. See, I don't know... (laughs) I don't know what 2021 or december or even the next 15 minutes holds for us but here's what i do know i know that those who taste and see that the lord is good are blessed and so is the one who takes refuge in him i know that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and i know that as verse 9 says those who fear him they lack nothing and i know that verse 10 the lion's Grow weak and hungry. Apex predators who are on the top of the food chain. They get hungry. But those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. That's what I know. So Lord, whatever we are about to receive, be it famine, be it fire, be it flood, make us truly thankful. Whether it be sickness, whether it be loss, even death, give us hearts that are light, faces that are fixed on Christ, stomachs, Hearts that are hungry for your truth. I want adventure. I want danger. I want intrigue. I want boldness. I want truth. I want beauty. Lord, give us hot coffee in the morning. Give us sushi in the afternoon. Give us a bowl of ice cream at night. All these are good things. Lord, thank you for the promise that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Above all these things above all these things, all these pleasures of the the earth, all these joys of the earth, would you simply give us your son, Jesus Christ? May we adore him. May we be satisfied alone. You don't need anything else. The man or woman who only has Christ is the richest of individuals. John 6, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Jesus, we are hungry. We're thirsty. We're coming to you today to be filled. Lord, I confess that I'm an Eeyore. Sometimes I'm a I'm Scrooge, and I tend to focus on the negative things of this life, Lord. I'm often ungrateful. And so I ask that you would replace that spirit within me with a joyful spirit, with a thankful spirit, Lord. Remind me daily of your Son's face. Help us all to see Him, to see Jesus Christ crucified, to fall on our knees and worship to Him alone. There is no other master. There's, money is nothing. It cannot, cannot give us what we need. Food, drink, relationships, none of these things will, will fill us. Only you, Lord. And so I ask that as we approach the holiday season of Christmas that we would look to the manger and then we would look to the cross. And we would see the gift, the great gift of your Son. And that would be all we would need. Lord, thank you for taste buds. (laughs) Thank you for good things. We don't deserve them. And yet you're so good to us. Lord, be with us the rest of this week. Encourage us with your word. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our final hymn, which is a fitting hymn. Now thank we all our God.